Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 220 of the podcast. It's the 24th of March, 2020, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Susan Baudry. Susan is an unschooling mom with two children, and she shares some wonderful stories and insights as we dive into de-schooling challenges, the joys of technology, helping our children follow their inner compass, and lots more. Now, we enjoyed our conversation the first week of March, before so many of our lives were deeply impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. And in case you're curious... I want to share what she wrote on, a, on Facebook a couple of days ago. So she wrote, As most of the world is getting into lockdown and a lot of us need to be home with our kiddos, we can choose to make this a time where we make our amazing memories. With so much uncertainty outside, what we can make certain is the joy and magic inside our homes. Our children need us now more than ever to dig deep and make the choice to remain calm. Let's use this time to say yes more. Let's relax the rules. Let's focus on the fun. Let's play more with our kiddos. Let's take more selfies. Instafilter is awesome. Let's play more games, board games, iPad games, video games, anything. Let's wrestle and tumble. Let's play chase, hide and seek, Simon Says, scavenger hunts inside our homes. Let's play silly games. Let's laugh till our bellies hurt. Let's not choose to give in to the fear of our kids being academically left behind or they are losing time. Because what's left behind and left behind who mean anyways? Let's not try and do school at home because honestly, it does not work. Let's choose this time to really, really get to know our little humans. Let's understand what our little people really like and let's try and keep our biases aside. Let's remember what we have with our kiddos is now. So that when this storm is passed, and pass it will, it will no longer be just about COVID-19. It will also be remembered for the magical memories we make with our loved ones. It will be remembered for all the laughs that were ringing inside our homes. It will be remembered not because of fear, but because we chose to bring fun, joy, and love in our homes. Keep safe, everyone. Now, I love her message, and I definitely echo her sentiment. Keep safe, everyone. And I just want to take a moment to thank those of you who have chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Thank you so much for your generous support. Not only does it let me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Susan. Welcome. I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Susan Baudry. Hi, Susan. Hi, Pam. Thank you so much for saying yes. I know we've been connected online for a few years, but I am really excited to hear more about your unschooling journey. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family, and what is everyone into right now? Okay, I'll start. There are actually five of us in our family. Okay, it's me. I'll start with me. Um, originally, I'll give, a bit of, I'll give everyone a bit of a background. I'm originally from India. Uh, we've now been in Brisbane, Australia for the past 19 years. I was born and raised in Kuwait, which was in the Middle East. And I was raised in quite a strict Catholic family. So I came to Australia when I was 17 to do my undergrad in biotechnology. Um, I met my husband, Drew, and he's next. I'll tell him about you in a bit. And currently, I'm a very happy and proud stay-at-home mom since I've had Krishna. 
that's my youngest, he's five. Uh, before that, for 10 years, I was a diabetes dietitian and an educator at Queensland Healthcare. And the reason I actually became a dietitian was because my hubby, Rup, he got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes at the age of 28. So, and I had no interest in my biotechnology degree and I needed a direction. So, and that direction at that time of my life actually had become an obstacle in our radical unschooling journey. And there's actually a question that I'll address further on that will address this. Um, So, what what am I into right now? I love cooking. I love being with the kiddos. I love playing stories with them. Um, and, you know, I, Nishika, my oldest, she actually says, Mama, you have actually become so good with pretend play stories now. And she actually looks forward to playing with me and uh, vice versa. Um, and also that mom that feels anxious when, I play, when, I, when I'm gone too long away from them. I've never spent a night away from them. Uh, I love being at home. This is something that I've discovered over the last year to two years that I actually love being at home. Um, I love looking after our house and the kids. And, and yes, and uh, we're also going to be spending the next three months in San Francisco. So, and we actually leave tonight. So the last couple of weeks have been spent in planning and packing. And the other thing is I love Sudoku. I'm a Sudoku um, nut. Like I love playing the expert level and trying to solve the puzzle uh, trying to solve the puzzle without any clues so that's me uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I love numbers and um, so there's my hubby Roop he's originally from India too and he comes from a family of doctors and we met 19 years ago when he came to Australia as well for the first time he is a tech entrepreneur uh, and he's currently doing his third startup um, the good thing with his while he was schooled, the home environment of him growing up was very unschooled. Um, he is an only child. Um, his mom, while she was still with us, and dad, that's papa, has, have always trusted in his decisions. And even today, like, you know, if you need, uh, if, you know, there's no questions with papa. Like, we, he just trusts us. And that's been amazing. Um, he left his electronic engineering degree the fourth year. So he, my hubby doesn't have a first degree and he ventured into his first startup. All he didn't do was give his final exams. You know, he did his project work and he did everything. He just didn't give his final exams. Reflecting back, I felt he instinctively knew that the degree no longer served him. Uh, and, uh, you know, being Indian and coming from a family of doctors, quitting a degree is actually never an option. You don't just quit. You have to complete what you started. Uh, his parents, however, not once gave him a hard time or guilted him into you know, completing his degree. Um, after his first startup folded, he came to Brisbane and he actually completed two master's degrees because I think he was owning the weight of not having a first degree. Uh, that expectation, I think, growing up, not just, I don't, I don't always think it's parental, it's even the school, you know, when you grow in the environment of school and, the, and he was a very, very good student. Uh, the teachers, I think, you know, that expectation that, you know, that you're going to do something great in your life eventually, I think that expectation of him probably made him do his two degrees. Uh, which he completed. He's in the, uh, since then, he has attempted doing his PhD twice. Uh, and both, at, both the times, he stopped it and, has, and he's gone on to doing subsequent startups. So second and now he's on his third one. And what I love about Javi and what I've understood over the last, I guess, um, uh, like 19 years, we are still growing with each other. He's always pursued his curiosity. He's always, you know, ever since I've known him, he's extremely curious about everything. Um, he, he always thinks about how things can be made better. And that's how he thinks. He can't help himself. That's how he thinks. Currently, he's into, you know, other than startup, he loves headphones. He's got about 10 headphones. And, you know, it's no longer how about you need 10 headphones. It's not about the need. <laughs> he just loves collecting headphones and all sorts of technology. So, yeah, so that's hubby. And um, we also have Anu. Uh, she lives with us. Technically, she's not related to us, but she's more than family to us. Uh, she was actually a little bit about Anu. She was, she was Roop's neighbor back in India. Growing up, she was a daughter that his parents never had. Uh, and she actually called, grew up calling Roop's mom, Ma. So it's that kind of relation that we have with her. 
so for this, I, so every time I refer to her as our sister, that's Anu. Uh, she has had and continues to have a huge role in our kid's life and you know is and especially for making this unschooling journey happen i don't think we would be where we are today if it were not for her both the kids love her and refer to her as pipi or pishi in bengali which means aunt and she is my sounding board and she always brings in perspective that you know that i haven't thought of um and uh, she is actually what is she doing currently she is quite creative uh, the kiddos like you know when any art related things like painting making things uh, nishika and she have actually done quite a bit for her doll house like you know they made little pillows little handbags uh, yeah. little cushions little sofas and you know it's amazing you know that's what she brings to uh, to the table um she has had a challenging upbringing uh, as a lot of us have had and she's currently on a self discovery journey of actually discovering who she is wow so so i'll tell you about our kiddos now so there's a <laughs> gorgeous nishika she will be 9 next week and she's super excited for her 9th birthday because this is her last birthday she says that's in single digits mm-hmm. so there's no that, that's it from next year onwards she's going to be 10 so it's going to be entering the double digits so she's you know i when i think of nishika i refer or both habi and i refer to her as our hamayani you know she's very our hamayani and for those of you who have watched harry potter I'll give an example. She's the one that knows the most in this house, and always ready to correct you if you get any facts incorrect. You know, and very matter of factly, she'll say there's no pride or anything. It's just how Hermione would correct Harry and Ron. That's how she would correct us. And she's actually also quite witty. She loves making up jokes and playing around with words. And uh, I recently started writing them all up, and you know my. Uh, you know meant once it gets to a considerable number i'm looking to publish it because she's i think she's quite witty she's she comes up with one liners and makes us all uh, you know makes us all laugh <laughs> <laughs> she's also extremely observant i think something she gets from hubby you know her way of communication is not always verbal she likes to mull things over so uh, um, i have seen you know she's often you know reading but she's somewhere else like she's some but she is thinking about things that are important to her and i think you know if she was in a schooling environment today that you know as you do in school like you know you need the the teacher needs your attention mm-hmm. so she would actually had have had trouble concentrating i think like she concentrates on things that are important to her not on someone else or what what is important to someone else which i love about her um the other thing that's really cool about her when she eats so she, when she has you know her meals uh whether it's at home or or outside she needs her ipad or her books with her um uh, it's funny because when we go out to eat at a restaurant food court she will actually be the, the girl with the book in her hand um she loves stories she loves pick and play uh she loves mystery books she's currently read all the famous five books and just the past week we downloaded uh, an app for those of you into famous five there's a really good app on the uh, mystery app on on the iTunes store and she gets to solve her mysteries and it's so much fun to see you know at the end you have you're actually down to two suspects and you have to accuse one of them which is so cool <laughs> that is very cool <laughs> and she also loves lego She's comfy to Lego friends, and she's done Lego elves and you know the creator sets. She loves soft toys. She's very organized with her things. It really unsettles her if things are not in a certain way. And she loves to bike and swim as well. So uh, that's that's her. And I feel Nishika brought us to this homeschooling journey. But my youngest one, Krishna, which I'll talk about next, um, he turned five last month. and when i think of krishna he's a koala bear he he loves cuddles loves sniggles not snuggles but sniggles that's sniggles. his word and he loves sniggles and back scratches <laughs> so he's quite intense in his affection and at the same time my little one he does take on the weight of things when he's not feeling good about himself mm-hmm. and i say that he's actually been our guiding light in our radical unschooling journey 
Uh, there's no filter with Krishna. I love that about him. He says things as is, you know, he, so it has really made all the adults in this house question our default responses. Um, he's currently very much into the Lion King and Lion Guard and anything and everything to do with lions, lionesses and cubs. He's collected more than 40 lions and he can recite the entire dialogues of the original Lion King and can actually tell you the difference between the scenes of the original one and the new one, which I find so fascinating. You know, wow. He'll actually tell you what's different, what they actually say. And again, he, he, he loves pretend play uh, too. And he went through a phase of Paw Patrol and PJ Masks, which in the last couple of days, I'm seeing that coming back again. Um, he loves wrestling with me and Roop. I love to wrestle with him as well. You know, it's really fun. Like, you know, he actually wears, when he wrestles, he wears uh, a travel pillow, uh, which is like a mane. So he's a lion. And he actually, a bathrobe belt, that's his tail. So he has to wear that and he'll growl at you and he'll roar at you, and, you know, and it's really so that with him. The other thing is he used to inhabit in a Mufasa's death scene. I think that was when he first saw Mufasa die, that affected him a little bit. And it's his way of processing death. And he's probably enacted, probably, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of times in a way of processing it. Uh, my older one, on the other hand, Nishika, she doesn't lie, like she doesn't talk about, she, she, she saw The Lion King once and she's not seen it again. She deals with it by pivoting her thoughts elsewhere because instinctively she knows that doesn't feel good to her. <clears throat> and what and he loves to draw lines. He for someone for like you know he's never been taught how to hold a pen or a pencil, but I think he does an amazing job of drawing. And he loves to cook at times too. So that's us. That's our family. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's lovely. Thank you so much, Susan. And when we were talking, you you emailed me too about um, titling the episode "Pursuing Our Curiosity," and yes. that whole description of it, it just shines right through all that, right from you know you and your husband and and the kids and your uh, sister. <laughs> yes, yes, she's our sister. No, it's, it's, it's completely but yeah. she's related to us. People, because I refer to her as my sister, then Ruth might refer to her as my sister, and then people are wondering, what so is that? <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> but you know, she's been, she's lived with us for like a, uh, for, uh, you know, for on and off for a good five, six years now. And it's been amazing having her over, you know, the kids, you know, the relation she has with the kids has just been mm-hmm. incredible. And then, you know, what she, bra- like what she's taught me, without actually trying to teach me what I have uh, learned from her. Like, uh, she's just, uh, yeah, she's just incredible. Yeah, that's lovely. And, yeah, and the way you describe your kids and the things that they're into and, you know, so many aspects of their personality that even even at their younger ages, you can see how that weaves, how they approach their interests, right, you know, your daughters watch The Lion King once and, you know, you, you're, you know how she's processing and moving through that. And then with your son, you know, a completely different way. And that that's all okay and that's who they are. And I love the way he, um, you know, wears the travel pillow and the belt for his lion battles. So great, was- isn't it? So creative. And that's his main. And he's got... Uh, and Krishna, we never cut Krishna's hair because he doesn't want it. He and I've all, and we've told him that you know it's when you want to get it. It's only then you want to get a haircut that you know that will get a haircut. So his his hair is actually his mane, and he's got an extension. The travel pillow is just an extension of the mane. You know, like the lions have that. So it's just awesome how he's you know pictured in his mind, and actually he pictures him that way you know that he's the line with the travel pillow and the tail it's oh, that's yeah, it's really cool <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm curious to know how you discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like uh, it's very interesting pam you know both our kids have never been to any sort of formal care or school but it, unschooling took a took a while to get into our heads i think Attachment parenting came very naturally. We always, you know, were, you know, 
were very loving and very present, but unschooling definitely took a while to get. Uh, and I think it's interesting because Roop, being an entrepreneur, we should it should have been second nature to us, but because um, uh, you know schools don't teach you to be entrepreneurs. Schools are good for you know if you want to go to regular job because they teach you how to follow instructions. So. But yeah, so the entrepreneur journey as well, I think like unschooling, took its time to sort of get. Uh, I think it sort of, ha- it, like when I was reflecting back, Roop's second venture, it didn't raise the money in time. So as a result, what happened? We lost whatever monies we had put in and it came to a point where we had an 18-month-old Nishika and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And I was on maternity leave at that time, so I gave and I had a government job that was squeezed with help and I gave one month's notice and went back to work full time. Roop was quite adamant. It was actually Roop's idea that, you know, at that time, and I thank goodness for my wise hubby, that we are not putting Nishika into any sort of daycare. We, he decided that he will be at home and he used to actually call it daddy daycare. He's going to take on the responsibility of being a stay-at-home dad. And, you know, growing up, his mom was always around and he understood the benefits of that. I didn't have my mom around as much because she was working and they had their own different realities. Uh, So I was more open to putting her in daycare uh, while also knowing that I know it will be heartbreaking for my child. But in my mind, I justified it by saying that all kids eventually cope, right? Like, you know, they all cope. Yes, there will be tears. There will be. But here we are in, in. not, not just thousands, but hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And it was like, this is what we need to do. And he was like, no, you know, we're not, that's not an option. So any, it, they both, and I'm glad I listened to him because they both had the best time at home. And it was healing for Habi too, coming out of the second venture because it didn't, in the conventional sense, succeed because we didn't, you know, raise the money. So, mm-hmm. and he had to wind down his venture. The other thing that I think, uh, was Nishika is a sensitive child and not just sensitive as a self she also has lots of allergies and her eczema would flare up uh it still does but uh, but it's no longer as bad that when she was 18 months it was you know it she used to be extremely itchy I think stress would get to her now when I reflect back that was probably a lot of stress as well someone had to really hold her when it used to get that bad because she would just want to take her skin out. It was, you know, especially on her hands and behind knees. It was just, you know, like you know, heartbreaking to watch my little girl, you know, face scratching. Sending her to daycare at that time, I think would have exacerbated this. Uh, I think somewhere we also knew that she being sensitive, you know, it would have fundamentally, you know, broken her from inside. because She was extremely attached to us. So we didn't end up sending her to daycare. We sort of worked it out because I went back to work uh, full time and I was fortunately just 10 minutes walk from work. So we worked it out. Uh, a year later, Anu, our sister, came to live with us. So she came from India to live and st- study and live with us. So it became a bit easier. Uh, and then Ruth got a scholarship. This is when he was pursuing it. This is the second time that he was pursuing his PhD. And I dropped back my hours. So between the three of us, we looked after her. Uh, I felt pregnant with Krishna when Nishika was about three and a half. Uh, and then I went on maternity leave. I think knowing deep down, I'm not going to go back to work. I didn't think we were going to homeschool even then. I just thought that you know, I'm not going to go back to work. Uh, so Nishika was about four when I had Krishna. My friends at the time in Australia over here, you know, you start sending your children to kindy. Uh, and I started to take that pressure too. That you know, And again, my wise hubby said, you know, he was happy where we were at and he said, you know, let's just take it one year at a time. Not once did either of us say homeschool. We didn't say that because that, that, I think that word was even alien to us at that time. We didn't even realize what we were doing. <laughs> so, so what, what did, I, I, I think just before Nishika was five, she was at home and then I, before she was five, I enrolled her into an art class. And she loved art. And I didn't think, you know, at that point of time, doing art at home was enough. So um, over there, when she was doing art, you know, you had to write your name on the, on the paper. And I realized that she couldn't write her name there. And you know, rather than not worry about it, and um, I came home and decided now that now is the time I need to teach her. Because mm-hmm. my, my four, four and a half year old doesn't know how to write the name. <laughs> and my little girl, you know, at that time, and she being sensitive, she's not always saying what's in her mind learned how to write you know I used to tell her that we need to learn otherwise how are we ever going to learn 
I, without understanding, without comprehending, I transferred the weight and fear to my child and she actually complied. Um, I, I asked her now, do you have memories of that? She said, no. And I was like, thank goodness for that. <laughs> so she doesn't remember any of that. So I didn't even know at that time or realize that, you know, that's not the only way. I didn't realize what I was doing could be long-term detrimental to our relationship. You know, I was raised with a lot of have-tos. And even though as a child, you don't like to, it's almost still in your DNA. It takes a lot of ongoing mindfulness, I think, to realize that there has to be another way, that there is another way. You know, this went on for a few months. You know, she used to resist and then eventually comply. Uh, I looked at curriculums, but didn't like any because it was Christian-based over here. And being raised in a Catholic family, I knew that was not what I wanted to do. So we used to spend some structured time every day doing, I think, for about four to six months, doing a bit of math, reading and writing. Uh, I can't remember exactly then, but I, I, I think I wasn't fully comfortable with what I was doing. So I think eventually I stopped doing it. Uh, from there, I defaulted to another another aspect where I felt we'd still need to do something. So we were doing, at, there was a time where we were doing other classes, like, you know, tennis, swimming, art, gymnastics, and I put on a coding class. She didn't hate it. Nishika didn't hate it. But it wasn't something she loved, too. She just went with the flow because I was directing it all for her. Um, so fortunately, I just kept reading. Uh, I think I initially came across Amy Child's podcast, The Unschooling Life. I also read about Sandra Dodd, read a little, try a little, you know, wait a while and watch. Uh, at that time, I don't think I got it because I wanted to do it all at the same time. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to fix it. Yes. So <laughs> I now get it because at that time, when I started to read about unschooling, it just got so overwhelming because there's so much information out there. And then the other thing was, I kept asking myself, how was I ever going to be that parent that can trust? Uh, I think I eventually stumbled onto your podcast, Pam, and, you know, Sue Patterson's, you know, Unschooling Mom to Mom Facebook page. And that was when I think things slowly started to click. I started to have my aha moments, okay. And um, being a mama to Krishna too, and his personalities, and being more aware as a second-time mom, I knew that whatever I did deep down, like, you know, with Nishika, would just not work with my, with my younger one. I had to dig deeper. Um, and I think the biggest gift of all uh, is a childhood redefined summit. I think fundamentally it has changed me and made me aware in so many ways you know, that, that I did not realize how judgmental my actions can come across. Um, it's... It, it's not just the kiddos. It has helped in my relationship with Rup and with Anu too. Uh, I think along with getting unschooling, I started to gradually get the entrepreneur journey too. I understand that, you know, how entrepreneurs go through their own mental challenges, their own self-doubt, their own second guessing, uh, and their own anxiety. I'm extremely conscious now that I don't add to that weight and try and highlight things that celebrate my hubby and actually feel good to him. Um, I think all this started to fit in probably, I think just before Nishika turned seven or seven and a half, uh, you know, Javi said, Javi initially used to say, let's just take it a year at a time. I then told him, no, we're not taking this anymore a year at a time. We, Nishika will decide, Nishika and Krishna will, you know, decide if they want to go to school. It had to be a choice. It can't be, okay, we are sending them. Okay, now this is not working. We send them to school. No, it had to be a choice for them. So, yeah, and uh, the other I think I should mention one of my aha moments was, you know, when I was, do, I, I think, listening to your podcast, and I, I don't know when it was like, you know, how much of school do I actually remember? You know, I was an A grade student. I did really well at school, but it feels like I slept off to school because I was really good at memorizing. If you ask me today anything of school, I don't remember anything about school. I'm like, why am I sending, why am I thinking about sending my child to school then? So, yes, yeah, so that's where, that's how our journey's, journey has been. Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> it, I, I love that point, right? Everybody's um, journey is so different based on where they're starting. So I really appreciate, you know, how you started at the beginning and, yeah. 
and how, you know, you were trying these things. Like we are, we're doing our best in that moment, right? But that's the difference is, is we keep learning. We keep looking at the situation and you're saying, I, you know, we're doing this and my daughter is playing along with me for the most part, but something still felt a little bit off, right? So you can, yeah, you just keep stepping and keep stepping. I think, I think that's one of the th- distinguishing things. I, and I just thought it again goes back to pursuing our curiosity. You know, you were curious. As to why isn't this feeling perfect? <laughs> you know what I mean? For lack of a better word, right? Because that's yeah, a. Did, feel- did you want to say? <laughs> It didn't feel right, but it just didn't feel like, and I wasn't comfortable. Otherwise, I wouldn't have kept, uh, I think, at that point, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing it. But in reflecting now, I think, you know, it just didn't feel that this is, you know, the only, like, you know, teaching her at home. Because that looked like tedious. And I was like, how am I going to keep doing that? Yeah. You know, with two kids, there has to be another way. Yeah. Yeah, no. And and that, like you said, that is the whole part of the journey, right? When you're realizing that. And because now you're at a point too, I would imagine that um, that you don't think you're done, right? Right. You know, learning, about exactly. learning about my kids. Now you really get the concept of journey and you know now you're just you're going to be walking it together with absolutely right and now it's it's less about having that destination that no we have to you know get there now we have to decide right now but it's more being open to and curious to see how it unfolds right absolutely hubby had this tag you know in his email in his uh, i should mention it talking about the journey in his uh, signature he's like the journey is the reward you know it is to do with the journey not you know there's no destination yeah we are all learning you know yeah yeah I love that I love that so I was wondering if you could dive into maybe um what you found to be one of the more challenging aspects of of de-schooling you gave us a really great overview there I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how you moved through um one of the more difficult parts of it I think without a doubt, food and health have been the most challenging aspects of de-schooling. You know, I think my 10 years of working as a diabetes dietitian has been baggage that I've had to work through. And honestly, I'm still working through it. Uh, I think loss and grief also play a role there. We lost our first child and then Roop's mom within 18 months. This was going nearly 10 years ago. And that's where the control factor and the extra, even more extra baggage coming. Uh, so I think when you asked me for a chat for the show, I looked at it as a gift because I think that was a sign for me to reflect on our journey, especially when it comes to this aspect, because I know I had been struggling, you know, with the food aspects of this journey for a while. Uh, initially, it was with Krishna and his tooth decay, which I, you know, did the inner work and I sorted that out in my head and we don't have any issues with that now uh, and how we approach, you know, tooth hygiene and things like that, you know, and uh, this and it's uh, I, I should mention this you know where before I, I would have to tell him to brush you know that you have to brush now you know it's a he chooses to brush at night he chooses not to brush in the morning and his teeth are fine you know in he knows when in, in you know in his own inner self he knows when he feels like brushing and sometimes he tells mama is it okay don't brush tonight I was like that's fine baba it's absolutely fine you know, it's taken me a while to reach, yeah, and, you know, and realize, hey, there's nothing's going wrong. These tooth are not falling off. There's no more tooth decay. So it's absolutely fine there. So, yes. So after the tooth decay changed to weight gain, and, you know, it was actually, I was shifting through the pot, your podcast, fam, it was actually episode 73, and it was Kelly's question, you know, that really made me reflect. Uh, because that question could be mine. You know, she talks about her son had gained a whole heap of weight in two years. Uh, and I think Anne's response and her answer to, you know, changing the focus and radical acceptance spoke a lot to me. I think seeing my kids and how they shine with food rather than the focus on the food quantities and, you know, what they're actually having. And this is something that 
you know, talking about that, you know, that have some, in terms of control that I've realized in the past few months, you know, you think you have control over someone, but I think that's actually an illusion because you can't control and expect things to still stay the same. Uh, you know, I think of controlling in my head is like holding, you know, sand very tightly and the tightly you, the tighter you hold on to sand, the more you let go. And it's the same with relationships. There's never a desirable outcome when you control someone, however subtle. You know, there's always a cost to this and there are always consequences. And more often than not, you're chipping away, you know, a little bit of that relationship. So uh, I've seen, you know, my mother-in-law, you know, she used to control my, you know, my father-in-law's intake, that's Papa. He had a near fatal cardiac arrest long, long decades ago when he was 44. She was scared. And, you know, so till she passed on, she controlled that side. Uh, Papa used to, he even, you know, he used to never say he had something on that fear because of fear of judgment. Uh, my hubby, he's had diabetes now for 18 years and he's actually, it's well controlled. But even then, I know I have done the same for fear of something happening to him. I've been, you know, don't eat that. No, why are you eating that? You know, that kind of thing. So it's taken me time to de-school and, you know, dig deeper as far as food goes. Uh, you know, yes, when we do control and, you know, I've done that to myself, we do tell ourselves and we do justify, uh, you know, the people that we control that is out of love and concern. But then isn't love supposed to be free, free and flowing? You know, where is that line? You know, we can control a little bit, then that little bit becomes a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, the other thing, you know, that, and that's where my wonderful sister, Anu, she pointed out, you know, because with food and activity and energy expenditure, something that I had not thought of, you know, it's not always just the physical running around. You know, again, we're so used to seeing the benefits of, you know, in everywhere, you know, when you tie the benefits of physical activity, you, you define that, you know, where your heart rate gets high and we actually undermine the activity that goes in the brain, that goes into doing things. Uh, my little one, Krishna, he knows all the dialogues in the Lion, you know, the Lion King movies. He can point out the difference between the original and the new one. So there is no passive screen time. Yeah, it's actual screen time for both my kids, you know, where they're actually engaging with the scene, seeing what's happening in the background. You know, something that, you know, escaped my eyes. But he's actually even looking at what's happening in the background where they're not actually highlighting things. So it, this, you know, reminded me of the times, you know, when during school, when we're studying for an exam, where we would get, keep feeling hungry because we're actually using that energy for our brain. And, uh, you know, and before we did this talk, I was telling Nishita, I'm going to talk about, you know, about food and, uh, and, you know, my journey, we were just having this conversation. And in that conversation, my wise, almost nine-year-old said, you know, mama, it's only food. You know, it's actually very simple. You're making a big thing out of it. And now she said it, you know, if you eat more, if you don't feel good, we'll learn. And, you know, that's how we learn. And she, you know, she said it, uh, like, you know, so simply. And, you know, I love the perspective that my kids bring. So lately, rather than viewing as a hindrance, I, I, I'm actually looking how they shine when it comes to food. Both my kiddos love food. And, you know, wow, you know, it's, it's a gift. Because they love trying new foods when we are out. You know, given our frequent travels, they both love the foods that we get on a plane. And they actually look forward to it. They want to know what the play, what what the you know the air hostess and the stewardesses are going to serve them today. They have tried all sorts of cuisines, you know, from sashimi to you know fried chicken to dumplings to spicy curries, and they love it all, you know. And I was talking to hubby just uh, just a few days ago, and we both you know we we're talking about they need to have happy food memories, and not memories when they grow up there, you know, when mama was subtly trying to control their food intake. <laughs> So, so where we are at and now, I think I love now, you know, we have a ladder. They just go and help themselves to lodges and chocolates. They don't ask me anymore. And I also love, you know, I've taken that inner work, you know, when they have spicy food, I'm the first one to offer them. Do you want to have a lolly? You know, that will help <laughs> with getting, you know, with taking that spice off, off or oh, you want to have a chocolate. So, yes. So that's where we are at in our, in our uh, food, food journey. It's been a process, ma'am. It's and I think I I I I'm not I don't think I have it all figured out yet. I think I'm still going to go through my <laughs> nervous moments, but yes, but I'm working through it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love that, and that is such an important point, 
right? It's not, again, it's not about destination. It's not about getting there. We, there are going to be moments when we question things and that doesn't make them wrong. I mean, that's one of my favorite chapters in, in the Unschooling Journey book that I wrote. And temptation is so human, you know, it, it is literally a stage in the hero's journey. And there's so many stories all about it because it is a human uh, action, reaction, feeling, you know, and I think it makes us stronger. Uh, so often I think we worry that, you know, when we waver or we start to wonder that it's a failing or that something's wrong, right? And then what happens is we try to ignore it for That's even exactly. longer, right? It's like, That's no, exactly. no, you know, this is right. This is what I've already decided. So I'm going to ignore everything else. But that just makes it knock at you harder eventually, right? Trying to catch your attention. Exactly. Sitting with it for a while, like you have been sitting with this for, you know, years now, really, right? And, yeah, and just, exactly. yeah, learning a little bit more, having a little bit more experience, learning a little bit more, noticing um, the connection with relationship, choosing that, you know, the relationship um, is is very valuable to you. So you're not wanting to make choices that are chipping away at the relationship. That's another aspect. It's not the answer, but then, then other, other pieces like, um, you know, it's how they learn your daughter's comment about how it's only food, how they're developing their own relationships with food. And that's what we would like to support and help. Versus, you know, it's not, oh, yeah, it's not standing back and ignoring it, you know, while they have a piece of chocolate, you know, and exactly. waiting for them to finish. Yeah. Exactly. Sort of, it There's doesn't just, have to always be verbal. Yeah. The body language. Yeah. Right? So there's just, and back to that journey, right? And being curious and and sitting with things and and not being hard on our so hard on ourselves when um, when we wobble because I absolutely bad. yeah yeah that's so normal and and all it is is a little knock it's like hey pay attention to me over here for a little bit it's time for us to think about this a little bit more and then you've got like since the last time that's when you're gathering all those experiences it's like oh yeah we did this but like you gathered you know for our conversation <laughs> those little yeah. wobbers are invitations to do that rather than oh my gosh you're wrong or what we're doing is wrong or all that kind of stuff yeah. you know it, it no, I, I love what i love and you know i my you know because krishna is he says things as is so I have, to, I have been very honest with them. I was like, you know, when it comes to food, mama's going to sometimes struggle. So I mean, when you feel it struggling, just tell mama no. And I will know that, uh, that, okay, it's time for me to back off and I'll give you a cuddle. And, you know, be, so he tell me, he goes, mama, you know, <laughs> you know, and then I understand, okay, that's my time to, you know, and he, and, you know, that's the relationship I have with them. Like, I'm not afraid to admit, bear my, it, where my learning is, I won't say shortcomings. I think it may where I need to keep working on. Yeah, and imagine that they learn so much more through that conversation rather than a control relationship where then what they need to do is sneak things or, you know, um, do things out of your sight, not mention things. You know, that's what we were talking about, how it affects the relationship. But when you're thinking about, I want my child to learn about food, which way is actually going to help them learn more, right? It's being able to have conversations. It's being able to experiment and try things. And if you close off that whole conversation piece, when you're trying to control instead, thinking, well, they'll learn because I'm telling them what to do, doesn't actually work that way, does it? Absolutely, absolutely. And you said it so beautifully. It's the actually doing, right? When you actually, you can only, you learn the best when you're actually doing it. So when you're experimenting. And 
as parents, sometimes we are scared of, you know, our child not, you know, not succeeding. But, you know, but that's learning, right? How will they otherwise learn? And that's the same with food. You know, if they don't try and experiment, how will they learn? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, the Lion King movies. And when we first connected, you mentioned um, how technology has been an awesome tool for your family. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, lo- I love the technology topic because, you know, we, there's so much in our house that is all, you know, tech related. So <laughs> both of us have iPads and that's been, and that is their main source of fun. I love how they use that. You know, I love how all the things that they're actually discovering. Uh, when we started off on this journey, this is probably three, four years ago, uh, we did have screen time restrictions. Again, uh, we trusted and gradually let go. Uh, Mahabi Roop, he actually took longer to get this. He was concerned about, you know, all the research on blue light and, you know, how that can affect their eyes. He went through a phase of, you know, even, you know, when Apple came, came up with, you know, screen time usage, you know, you can monitor. So he went through that a little bit. And it was funny because... He's on some sort of screen for a good 16 hours of the day because of his work. And I think when he saw the learning and joy that ensued with our kiddos, he too has learned to trust. So <laughs> food was the big aspect for me to de-school technology for him. You know, it's, it's just interesting. So there's so many awesome things that our kids do that, you know, that they watch and play on the iPad. You know, we have Netflix, we have Disney, we have lots of wonderful games that they actually play. Both love, we don't have animals. Uh, pets in a house right now because of our frequent travels uh, so they do gravitate more towards animal shows and games and are leaning more towards that Nishika actually has a game on her iPad where she actually manages a zoo uh, she has gradually got you know she started off with one or two animals and she's got like I think 50 animals now and her visitors in a zoo keep increasing she can breed animals uh, and <laughs> You know, even with the breeding, you know, there's so much learning in there because each animal has a specific percent chance of the breeding working. So like a lion, like she's got a lion, it's got a 4% chance of breeding versus a bunny. That's a 25% chance. So it's been interesting conversations that we've been having with that. And then you can give them fertility feeds. And we've been talking about that too. And, you know, there's layers and layers of learning there that, you know, that I can, we can have a whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, the breeding doesn't always work. And then again, that's like real life too, right? Like, you, you know, it doesn't always work. So it's fascinating, fascinating to watch it on, you know, when she's doing it and, you know, related to real life, um, how that, how that works. Uh, I love also, you know, how whatever they watch and play, they actually bring it to their pretend play and bring it to real life. I also love because of the relationships that we developed with them. You know, anytime they find something interesting or funny, they they will pause the video and they will tell us to watch with them. They will make us watch with them. I love how they share that joy with us. Um, some of the shows Nishika loves at the moment, she's Martha the dog. God, I think she's watching that on YouTube. Elena of Avalor, The Magic School Bus, you know, Dr. Binox, etc. It's just a wide variety of shows. Um, she's also been lately watching talking about food. She's lately watching shows on YouTube where kids are made to eat certain types of foods and the expressions and how they actually, you know, deal with that food. It's funny. It's you know, it's the, the I watched a little bit and it's really really funny. And the other games that she plays is you know that. Toka Boka, you know, you, she loves to play pretend play stories over there. Uh, the other one is, uh, she's recently gotten to his Peppy Wonderland uh, or Wonder World, where there's a witch house and you can make all sorts of potions. You can change your characters into different things and then you can change them back again. There's so much chemistry involved there. It's just incredible. Uh, she's on and off dabbled with design apps, you know, designing houses, designing, um, uh, you know, playgrounds and things like that. So all, all, all on the iPad. Um, a few days ago, I should mention this because, you know, how technology has really helped with their learning. Uh, we were playing with some animal cards, you know, and we, had a, and we have a sound reader. So each of, this, and have, each of those cards have a barcode scanner. So we were sounding them. And we also have dinosaur cards. You know, and I said, I told baby, I don't think you're going to be able to read that because they don't have a barcode in them, the dinosaurs. 
she's like, of course, mama, no one has ever heard what a dinosaur would sound <laughs> because they lived way before us. You know, that lateral thinking just wouldn't be there if the learning is directed because I think you outsource that thinking to someone else. Uh, and, you know, then this started conversations because she watches the Dr. Binock show where she's watched, you know, how whales were initially land animals and how they had fur on them and now they have evolved on becoming this water animal. So, yeah, it's just so fascinating. And one of the other things that she's learned how to do is she's learned to read reviews on the apps. You know, she just doesn't skim through them. She actually reads them to form her own opinion, whether she like it or not. And and not just that, with the reviews, she also learns more about the app. Like, you know, she's missing out on something uh, or there's something more that she can actually explore in the app. Uh, it's just fascinating to see. You know, Krishna, he loves, you know, he loves playing similar apps as well. Uh, the one that, there's a particular one that he's really fascinated with is a Disney coloring app. And there's a Lion King pride drop in there, which he really, really loves. Uh, and with Krishna, he actually loves watching shows in different languages. I find that so interesting and so fascinating about it. It doesn't bother him that, you know, he can't understand because he's making sense of it in his own way. Yeah. And uh, the other tech that we have at home, we have an Apple, uh, we have a HomePod. And, you know, then they're feeling a bit goofy. We ask, we ask Siri to tell us, you know, really funny jokes. And we also have smart lights at home, uh, you know, that change color. And, you know, we get Siri to change the color to blue and or change the color to orange or red, change the mood of the house. And sometimes we use that to dance as well. So that's all tech in our house. <laughs> So fun, so fun. I I love the the interactive part too, right? I we my husband is into the smart home stuff. That's kind of that's his hobby right now and he loves that and and it's it's really fun to see him diving into that and it's like you just got to tell us, you know, what we have to say to turn things on and off and <laughs> And changing. I find Siri doesn't always become my voice, but the kids have learned how to tell. Hey Siri, turn the lights off. Hey Siri, yeah. can you turn the lights? You know, it's so funny. You know that both <laughs> even Krishna say Siri's just yeah. I don't know. Yes, I know. Like, don't hey, say the name. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's really cool, Bam. And you know, I'm sitting in uh, hubby's study right now, and he's got four monitors here, so. He's got one, so that's how much tech we have in the house. So when he works, he needs four monitors to work with. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it's a lovely tool, right? There's it's, just... amazing. it's amazing. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't know why, you know, this, it's like TV, right? How TV was. Uh, we, have, we have a TV in the house, but that hardly gets turned on because the kids love, because they can interact with their iPads. You know, they don't, see the need for a tv so that never plus i feel the autonomy that you get with you know you can rewind forward you know watch a scene multiple times uh so you're not relying on a remote to do that it's more i feel it's more friendly on an ipad yeah oh wow that's awesome now you recently wrote something online that i wanted to dive into because i thought it was really cool you wrote um unschooling is about helping our children Find who they truly are as people by listening to and following their own inner compass without everyone around them overriding that intuition. Now, we've kind of alluded to that along the way during our conversation, but that change in focus from like our expectations or even how we see things unfold to instead focusing on their inner compass and helping them follow that. That's just yes. so important, isn't it? Oh, yes, Pam, you know, I, and it's been a journey. I think, you know, I'm at that point of a journey where I don't no longer look at the learning. I don't even, because I just know it's there. Like I don't, and you know, I've come to a point where it doesn't worry me that, you know, they can't write or spell or do math because I think there's so much focus out there to get, you know, like your child needs to do this or your child needs to do that and hardly any on who the child actually is. And, you know, childhood should be about knowing who you are as a person and not what others say who you are or what you need to become or should become. You know, it's a baggage that I, that so many of us adults carry into, from our childhood into adulthood. 
you know, something that I've experienced, suddenly when you turn 17, 18, we are in this real world setting and try to make, trying to make sense of our likes, dislikes, our self-esteem and our self-worth. Uh, my kids, they, you know, they, you know, they're going to, Nishika's going to be nine and Krishna's five. They know who they are. They love who they are. And, you know, they will learn all that other stuff. Then it's important and relevant to them. And the baggage of that to figure it out is not just lies with them. We will help them figure it out when they need that help. Uh, I think of, uh, you know, Rupe's journey in, you know, being an entrepreneur and he'll be 46 this year. And it's only in the last nine, 18 months or two years that we've accepted that this, it's not just me, it's he, he as well accepted that this is who he is. It's dawned on us, you know, that he is an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I've always been supportive of him in the broader sense, but I haven't always been when it comes to things not working out. I know when Luke's second venture folded, you know, it was a very hard time for him. It, you know, while I didn't actually blame him for it, I did not blame him for it as well. So it was as good as blaming him for it. You know, it's uh, it's taken a lot of inner work, especially in the last, uh, the past year to celebrate who he is and to focus on that's what ticks him. That's who he is. Uh, and, you know, something that I've learned from him, you know, all of us, kids included, we all work with incomplete information. Okay. We don't always take the, we always actually take the best decisions in life, given the information, information presented to us at that point of time. How can there be regrets then? It's always learning, right? So, and the learning is in the journey. So in I see, you know, Anu, like in our sister, she's still discovering who she is. Uh, she's had a very challenging upbringing with a lot of have-tos. And she's currently in undoing all of that. She's 30. And, it, you know, it's a good 12 years into adulthood. She's yeah. still undoing that and undoing that. So, yeah. And uh, just giving, to give you a few examples, like, you know, Nishika, she's scared of the dark. And she's actually, she, there's a lot of things that actually scare her. But when she says that, there's no longer baggage of that. You know, she just, there's no defensiveness in her tone. She confidently tells me, Mama, I'm scared of it. I'm not going to like it. I don't, I know myself. Um, both our kids have actually never wanted, have never been to a movie theater. They don't want to be, they don't want to go and watch a movie in a movie theater. And there is actually no fear of missing out for them. I used to have that, you know, the FOMO, you know, fear of missing yes. out. What if you didn't do that? You're going to miss out. But no, they didn't. They don't. And, you know, I love that about them. You know, they bring new, they've brought new perspective. You know, Krishna too, he knows himself. You know, he's going through a phase where he wants to be at home almost all the time. And he just knows. He just says, Mama, I don't like going out. I just know that. I just don't like going out. And so we work around that. We, you know, and I love that my kids know that about them. And that can only happen if we honor and, you know, if, if we are willing to listen to, you know, to who they are. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a beautiful example, right? That, that whole um, part of the journey of us releasing that FOMO, right? That, it, it's, yeah. it's fear, but it's, yeah, it, it's just fear of, of, of being different. It's fear of missing out on things, um, you know, and, and the realization that we're transferring that onto someone else, when, when you have that kind of aha moment, I think that helps us release it yeah. as well, because we're starting to own it. We're starting to know, oh, this is something from me. So we talk about how so much of de-schooling has to do with ourselves not actually with our kids because we learn so much from watching our kids don't we right seeing them own who they are and when they're respected and how it works out so well for them you know that is just eye-opening isn't it absolutely it's, it's one of your recent episodes i can't remember who said it but you know it's so much about us but not about us as well i can't remember so, but that was so, you know, so insightful, which is true, because kids, actually, when they come, they are unschooled, they come in their pure versions of themselves. And it's only when we start piling on that weight and that have to that things actually change. So it's mm -hmm. actually us that need to, it's always us that we need to do the work. It's not the kids. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I love that. 
So what is your favorite thing about your unschooling lives right now? Uh, I won't say relationships and the connection because I think that's really a given because when you spend so much time with the little ones, what I really like is the kiddos really get to know who they truly are as people. Uh, you know, like I think I mentioned earlier on, you know, Nishika, I love that she can go into her own world, you know, when, when they are out as well. She's just far away in some, you know, some world and she can actually be in that world. And if she was schooled, she would be constantly that would be disruptive. Yeah. So I love that about her. Uh, the other thing I love is the gift of time. You know, we 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 have late nights, and you know, we get, we don't get up very early. So I love our morning sniggles, sniggles as Krishna would say. Yeah. <laughs> I love our, I love our cuddles at night. You know, I love that I get to see the joy and you know, and the smile on the face when they discover something new or funny or interesting, and uh, something that I didn't mention when Krishna actually wants your attention, you know, and he wants you to see something, he will hold your face and so that your eyes can't get distracted. So let's say you can't move, you can't notice, so you just hold your face. And it's so cute and funny when he does that. And the other thing I think I want to mention is, you know, conventional thinking, you know, tells you you need to get up bright and early uh, and because that's the only time when you have energy. I have found that both my kiddos take, take a long time for the energies to pick up, even when they get up later on during the day. They're the most energetic before bed. You know, they love to run around actually before bed. So that's at like 11.30 at night or 10 o'clock at night. That's when they have the most energy. This does not mean it takes them time to wind down. So when they're ready for bed, they're ready for bed. They just sleep. They don't struggle to sleep. They sleep quite peacefully. Uh, you know, and something again, conventional advice was to read a book before bed, dim lights and slowly wind down to sleep, you know, and I don't think that works for everyone. Um, so I think for my kiddos, and I'm sure there are lots of people out there that, you know, expending some energy before bed actually helps with winding down as well. Um, the other thing, what I love is, you know, that, uh, you know, I wake, I normally wake up before these two and I love, you know, when they wake up, you know, I'm, I'm happy that they are up and, you know, they, you know, how they shine. Krishna has a big smile on his face and he comes and he comes and he runs and gives me a cuddle, uh, with Nishika, like, you know, I go, normally she calls out to me when she's up. So I go to the bed, give her a hug, cuddle her. So we spend uh, about, depending on how she's feeling, 10, 15, 20 minutes of just cuddling and maybe chatting. And I think this reminded me of you and Lissy, Pam, you know, yeah. when you mentioned in one of your uh, episodes where, you know, you guys used to spend a lot of time, you know, when she would get up with coffee or having something to drink, right? Yeah, yeah. That remember, Just when you were telling that story, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that time with Lissy. Yeah, she would, you know, let me know that she was awake and I yeah. would bring back a coffee and then we yeah. would just sit in her bed from like 20 minutes to an hour some mornings. Yeah listening yeah. to music, chatting, just, you know, sitting quietly together. It was, it was really, it was really beautiful. And even like that, that was the part of the journey and the focusing on that inner compass, right? And how important and valuable um, that time is, you know, because sometimes I was sitting there, you know, 20 minutes in, it's like, oh, I feel like I should, you know, that's always a good clue. I should be getting up and doing this, or I should be doing that. But to realize, no, this is valuable, and it's worth that time. Well, that would let me just breathe through those couple of minutes, like, because it's not bad, it's not wrong. It's, you know, a moment to think. It's like, to remember and recommit to why this is important. And, you know, I treasure those memories. Like it was months and months that we did that. And, 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 and you don't get that because if they must go to school, love you will be rushing. There's, it's always rush, 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 rush. And we just don't get, get that, that time, you know, to spend, to spend with them. Um, and, you know, I love how, you know, they, she, Nishika, she's not, always very vocally expressive but ever since we've become I think the last year or two years we've become really very close so she'll randomly tell me mama I love you mama you're the best your mama I really love you just randomly you know she's watching something and she'll say mama I love you so it's really I would miss all of that and uh, you know the other thing because of hubby's business the travel like you know we get to be with him we get to 
be together as a family rather than you know worrying about okay the kids have to go to school we have to take permission from the school to to actually right. travel which you know i want to be with my family i need to take permission from you <laughs> so, <laughs> so so that's another great point right <laughs> you know i yeah and and you know something you know with unschooling and what i've realized it has very little to not going to school and that that's actually a very small part in our unschooling life so yes it's unschooling but this it's so much that we're doing that not going to school is actually a very small part of what i you know and that's what i love yeah, um, yeah that's a that is a great way to end it too it's such a small piece the not going to school exactly. piece right like exactly. life is just so yeah. much bigger <laughs> It is. It is. Yeah. It well, is. thank Absolutely. you so much for taking oh, the time. Oh, I just thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it was so much fun. I loved hearing all the stories. And I really appreciate that you took the time before you guys are about to travel today to speak. You know, I, I, I wanted to do this. So it <laughs> This was, this was, I needed this. It was a lot to do with for me. I need, really needed this. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. Well, I want to wish you guys a wonderful day and smooth travels. I think that's the most important bit. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.